0: The legendarium podcast is brought to you by, by you so please visit patreon.com slash legendarium to, to support, support the show but for now
1: welcome, welcome to, to the legendarium.
2: legendarium hey everybody if you're worried about spoilers for gunpowder numbers about halfway through the episode we do issue a spoiler alert but honestly, that spoiler discussion only lasts for about a minute or two. So instead of shutting off the episode, just skip ahead a little bit at that point. And there's some really interesting discussion that happens right after that. So, enjoy!
0: Welcome, everybody, to another episode of The Legendarium. And welcome to another edition of the Author's Shelf series. It's a chance for us to ask best-selling authors about their favorite books from the shelf that they own, and talk about those books and talk about the authors. It also gives us a bit of a chance to get some insight into some of our favorite authors. I am your host today, Ken Johnson. You'll notice I'm not Todd or Craig. However, we have Craig over here pushing the buttons, which he's great at, and saying very little, which he's not so much great <laughs> today, at. Today's yeah. a practice episode for me. Yeah, uh, yeah, we're working on. It. We're a little Boxing Day roll reversal. Exactly. Stuff, so. yeah. And also joining us over there, he puts words out so fast it makes Merriam and Webster cry. It's best-selling author and three-time <laughs> Dragon Award winner, Larry Correa. Hey, guys. Thanks for having me on. We're excited to have you on. And today we're going to be discussing Gunpowder and Embers. It's book one in the Last Judgment's Fire series. And uh, Larry, I w- we wanted to have this book on because it's kind of an interesting story for you. Yeah, actually, so what
1: happened was, um, uh, I want to say it was back in 2011. uh, My writing career, I had just been a writer for a couple of years. I was pretty brand new. Uh, My career was just taking off. And one of the things my publisher likes to do is to uh, get experienced, well-known, famous authors teamed up with newer, up-and-coming authors to get a book out as a collaboration. And that introduces the new author to all the old established fans. It's a really great system. The band does this a lot. Um, and so they paired me up with an author named John Ringo, who is a, uh, very, very successful science fiction author. Uh, John had this crazy, uh, steampunk idea that actually came about as a challenge, uh, cause John doesn't like steampunk. Right. And, uh,
0: he, <laughs> he's more of he was on a panel, guy, so
1: yeah, he does military sci-fi. He's fantastic. Um, but he was at a panel at a con and somebody asked him if he'd ever write steampunk and he's like, Oh, no, no way. There's no, I'd never do that. Uh, but then he kind of started thinking about it. I was like, well, if I was going to write steampunk, why, why would I do it? What kind of world would actually justify that stuff? And so he came up with this general idea. Uh, and then he actually originally, uh, Tony Weissopper publisher teamed us up and I was going to write this with him. And we brainstormed a bunch and had a bunch of ideas and outlines ba- bouncing back and forth. But what happened is we both were really busy. And so it kind of kept getting backburnered and backburnered. Uh, and this was actually the point in time where my career blew up. Um, yeah. I got on the bestseller list the first couple times and um, it just kind of like took off. And all of a sudden I was way too busy doing my own stuff uh, to do a collaboration where I was the junior guy. And I was putting out about two books a year, every year consistently, uh, two to three. And I did, was doing that for several years and this kept getting backburnered, backburnered, backburnered. Uh, and so finally what happened was we kind of flipped it and uh, John wound up writing some stuff in one of my universes uh, so we took care of that contract, but John actually collaborated with me and uh, I wrote some stuff in the monster hunter universe. Uh, we had right. a trilogy of books, but then um, this great idea this that was memoirs. Goes, that was your memoir. That was your
0: spinoff out- series, right? Monster Hunter. memoirs. Oh yeah. It's, yeah.
1: Called, uh, it's called the monster hunter Memoirs series. And there's a funny story behind that too. But uh, so this, all this gunpowder and embers story, this steampunk story was sitting out there and um, John, John still wanted to use it. So he actually wound up teaming up with a pair of writers uh Casey Ezell and Chris Smith and I am friends with both of them they're both exceedingly talented authors both of them have and,
0: uh, done stuff in in some of your collaborative works as well right
1: oh yeah yeah, yeah. so i have actually used both Casey and Chris i have hired both of them to write stories for me in anthologies and also i teamed up with Casey to edit uh an anthology called Noir Fatal which is a a store uh, a collection of science fiction and fantasy noir themed stories uh, you know, femme fatale stories, gritty detectives, uh, hard-boiled stuff. And that was a blast. The and real Casey fun, is good stuff. so talented. Oh, it was – it actually that, – that anthology did extremely good too. Um, and Casey and Chris were good friends going that way back. And so they actually teamed up and did it together. And so um, the reason I picked this book was I, I had just recently read it. Uh, and it was really good and I enjoyed it. It was fun to see uh, ideas that I had worked on. With uh, with another author, uh, geez, eight years ago. Wow, I've been doing this. <laughs> <Time while>. flies. <laughs> eight nine. Oh my gosh, nine years. Okay, so nine years ago we were originally brainstorming yeah. this, and to see how it actually came out was actually really interesting. Uh, I think Casey and Chris killed it. Uh, John John Ringo is brilliant. I mean, John John's sharp. but John is really good at what he does, uh, and so the, the team up there I think came out really good. And they wrote a just really cool, fun action adventure novel.
2: So let me ask you a question as uh, as somebody who would be new to this genre. It, 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 I'm asking this because I want the answer, but also because I suspect that there would be some others who would want the answer as well. Okay, steampunk. I yeah. could I could give you an aesthetic definition. You know, kind of like, oh yeah, that's I know it when I see it. That's steampunk walking around yeah. at, the, yeah. at the convention there, right? But is there when a... goth
1: discovered Brown? <laughs> <That's>
2: exactly... <laughs> but is
1: there a literary definition of steampunk that uh, that you can give um, us? I'm actually not sure if there's an official literary definition. Uh, genre-wise, it usually tends to be what is an, it's a it's a more stylistic aesthetic kind of thing, and so it usually tends to be things that are kind of Victorian styling. Along with um, you know the the trappings, so steam power rather than uh, than gas and electric and nuclear, you know. <laughs> and so it's uh, it's and there's certain things that are kind of the steampunk aesthetic, you know, the goggles, the gears, the brass, the leather, uh, the airships, and um, and so I don't know if they really were like super hard and fast because honestly, this book turned out I think very much a western, yep,
0: as opposed
1: as opposed to uh, a pure steampunk novel. I think I think the final product I would. It has a lot of steampunk uh, aesthetic and trappings and stuff, but I honestly think it's kind of a Western in theme. Um, And also actually a a quest novel. It's almost just a fantasy quest novel in a lot of ways because you have your team of adventurers who go on a quest. Um, And so it's honestly, this is one of those kind of cross genre books. Uh, I'm lumping it into steampunk because that's where John's original idea came from, Right, was him. Doing a challenge of how am I going to write steampunk?
0: But it but it really I, is very old western in feel. Uh, let's let's talk about the book a little bit. But before we do, I want to point out to the listeners this book came out literally like a month ago. So yeah it's been a month but still spoilers if so, you want to read well, it spoiler alert maybe
2: we'll do it this way let's try to give it you know 20 30 minutes of non-spoiler discussion sure to give people an idea <laughs> of what they'd be getting into and then uh, encourage people to go sure. check it out right
0: yeah but, and that's why I, I didn't really write a like a gigantic recap on it or anything but basically it is it, it's a boy who lives in a time where uh Steams are are punking Steams each are other. Punky, yes, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Where where alien ants and alien pterodactyls have through a, a rift in space time come to the earth and basically knocked modern modern America back into the wild wild that's,
2: west. Is that okay? Now I haven't read it. Is that, that for real? Yeah, that's that is for real. Awesome. That oh is, yeah,
0: that is what it is. So, and so now you have these giant ants who kind of run the world and you've got these pterodactyls that are called dragons. <laughs> so
2: good. So they're, <laughs> For real, man. They're
0: called dragons, but they're pterodactyls. Okay. And this kid named Chuck goes on a quest and along the way he runs into this, this old drunkard who clearly knows more than he's letting on. He, this warrior monk who is all about cleansing the world of, of the giant ants or Gants because giant ants, Oh wow. um, uh, a, a dragon tamer who is who is escaping a baron and a cultist an ant cultist who has escaped their collective and those guys are all on a quest to get across the country to save some
2: i i would like ant cultists on my tombstone yeah <laughs> yeah yeah, yeah, yeah at the end at, at the end of it all it, ant cultist seems like a good one
0: well
1: and the, it and, sounds it, crazy It does. like the actual pitch is nuts it's just nuts um they took all these different like crazy elements and they made them work. Yeah. And uh, so, so basically what it is is like – so there's this um, – about 30 – I want to say it's like 30, 35 years ago. There's this extra-dimensional invasion. And so it's into our world the uh, current time. Mm-hmm. And they're basically giant ants is the closest thing we can compare them to. But they're attracted to electricity. They eat electricity. They love electricity. Right. And so wherever there's electricity, they swarm. And they're they're really super deadly. And they're about the size of a car, and there's millions of them come pouring through this rift. So basically, everything in the world that produces electricity or is electric, they swarm on it, and they yeah. just start destroying society. And so uh, the reason it's steam powered, and, and when John was trying to find a reason why would we go back to you know steam powered for everything, was basically because if you have electricity or, or you, even a battery anything it attracts giant ants right. and they will come and murder you <laughs>
0: <laughs> so well, and so society
1: has regressed we so, don't, although, so they don't get eaten well, by giant we ants. don't Ken, we don't
2: read fun enough
1: books
0: that's, on what, this that's exactly what i'm saying the moment that larry said this I said let's read this book i thought okay i'll give it a spin i'm not really into steampunk but i i have been wanting to get into old west uh stories i i've I got myself a couple of Louis L'Amour books and stuff. I want I want to see yeah. some old westerns and that. And this is a perfect vehicle to get into that because it is. It, it, it's just and they all use like the old western slang, like paw and and feed and I'm a rancher and yes ma'am and no ma'am <laughs> yeah. and you know it's, it's awesome.
1: Well, because Chuck, the main character, is uh, from Wyoming. He grows yeah. up in the middle of nowhere, Wyoming, and so the his culture is very much cowpoke. It's just yep. like. Uh, and, uh, so that's, that's your hero. And he's like an 18 year old kid who's never been off the ranch, uh, basically. And he's kind of thrust into this crazy adventure. Yeah, so it's, it's very much the whole fantasy trope there where it's like, you know, the, uh, the junior assistant pig farmer's son becomes the, <laughs> the chosen one to carry the ring to Mordor or whatever. And, uh, this is kind of that too, it, you know, it very so much
0: is. Yeah. Here's your, well, and, and it, it starts with a guy named the gunslinger showing up and, dying and he has this key and he says get this key to the bunker which is all the way back east so he's got to travel from yep. wyoming to we'll call it washington dc by horse yeah and train
1: across, a, know, post-apocalyptic
0: across a post-apocalyptic, America.
1: post-apocalyptic with, oh, wasteland
2: with giant ants and pterodactyls by the way right that's okay yep. all
1: right oh fire breathing pterodactyls and electricity oh okay so, ants. so yeah. here's the thing <laughs>
2: I joined on this episode not having read the book but you know I just it, it was kind of last minute yeah sure I'll I'll join in I want to read this so bad now <laughs> like I I regret mightily not having read it for the episode because this sounds amazing it, honestly it
0: it absolutely is I saw one person call this basically fantasy gumbo and it really <laughs> oh, yeah. I mean, it really is they're just throwing all sorts of different genres and different tropes and and uh the different different story you know common story arcs in and at, at the first and they make it work and yeah and i think there's it works at yeah, the first it's a little bit what what's going on here and and, so, it, and it takes some time to get all of the characters integrated but once they're yeah. integrated man it really is it picks up. because so, it's kind
1: of a it's kind of an ensemble book it's not really like yeah. there's one star main character i mean there is i mean there's the main point of view character but this is more of an ensemble cast And so it takes probably the first act to really kind of bring everybody together and then kind of launch into the adventure. Uh, But yeah, honestly, it feels like if Louis L'Amour had been writing urban fantasy.
0: You know what I mean? Exactly. Exactly. That's a great great way to put it. uh, Uh, Yeah.
2: So are the themes uh, in this book what I would expect from what you guys are talking about? I mean, you're talking about Western stuff, but also a quest story. So is that what we're getting from this is kind of... Uh, you know, oh, Mister Frodo, we have got to get the ring to Mordor, and you know, please retain your sense of decency. You know, what, what sort of, what's, what's the point of the book from a, from a, can from a level three perspective or a level two perspective? Do we get into any of that?
0: we get into some level two stuff. Uh, Larry, we, we should explain the three levels for you. We, we we've kind okay. of coined, we've kind of coined a, a, a thing on the legendarium called the three levels of storytelling. And, and level one is, is just straight up punching. It, it's, it's, fun, the surface it's, level anxious, it's the surface level stuff. Level two uh, simplified is, is the political stuff, the social uh, conflict. And level three is, is more of the deep philosophical personal character stuff. Yeah. Okay. So,
2: um, yeah, so it, it, do we get into any of that stuff or do we kind of stay on the level one and like, let's just have some fun with
0: this. There is so much oh, no, great I, level one stuff in this book. Yeah. That, okay, so level
1: one, this is just very much a lot of shooting action, adventure explosions, horse chases, right? Yeah. Um, level two, there's actually some pretty good personal interaction and, and, I, and I, I'll point out a couple here for you. Um, with some of the different characters and, uh, and, and kind of how they interact because there's like this one guy who's like this total warrior monk who's trained all his life dedicated for this one specific mission. Uh, uh, imagine the Marine Corps in the future turned into a, an elite group of basically ninjas, okay? Right. These guys are super hardcore. This guy lives for this.
0: Well he winds up who prayed uh, to the, working with this. Oh sorry, I was gonna say who prayed to the spirit of, of Kalashnikov and John Moses Browning, by the way. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm not, not even a joke. I mean so. to them
1: Chuck Norris was a real person. They believed Chuck Norris was a saint.
0: Yeah. Saint <laughs> I Saint. I Chuck am not, Norris. Sorry. Yeah,
1: it's like seriously, Saint Saint they talk about one time that they instead of Jim Mattis, they they said Batis This is obviously Jim Mattis because they talked about the sacred knife hand. Right. Okay. Um and so basically imagine the survivors of the Marine Corps after the apocalypse form an elite group of warrior ninjas
0: and with, with religious
1: connotations is how they raise kids. Yeah. But you got – so you got this character like this. His entire life is devoted to this path, and he's a true believer. Well, he has to wind up working with somebody who's a dragon tamer. So basically this is someone who has devoted her life to uh, basically training abominations uh, in, in his worldview. And those are actually my two favorite characters was the interaction between those two. Oh, yeah. Um, and actually, it got into a lot because this woman had this really horrible background. Like, I don't want to give too many spoilers, but her background was actually the, the most horrific stuff in this book. Was this uh, Dragon Tamers background?
0: Yes, I, uh, absolutely.
1: So, I just, so yeah, there's that surface level where it's very fun action adventure, but there's also some real stuff about heroism, uh, uh, courage, connection. Well, uh, and there's a victory. lot about uh,
0: reevaluating your uh, your worldview. When, oh, when, yeah, you put, yeah, when you put people with varying, varying uh, points of view together and they have to reevaluate, oh, I've been trained to believe you are evil, but clearly working with you, you are not. So, yeah. And she actually has got all this
1: baggage where uh, I- I'm thinking about one specific scene. I don't want to give anything away. I thought it was a pretty actually emotionally interesting scene where they try to force her to do something she does want to do, but it's kind of causes flashbacks to her awful upbringing. I know you're probably thinking of the scene I'm I thinking yep. of,
0: right? I absolutely am. Yeah, that, I
1: thought that actually, that was actually kind of a good emotional gut punch. It was pretty deep. I um, thought so t-
0: yeah, I thought so too. And, and really, up to that point, was just a lot of surface level action getting to the next scene stuff. And that really. That, that was actually, that, that,
1: that one snuck up on me. Um, I was like, oh, ouch. Wow. Dang. Yep. And the, the very, very, very epilogue, which I will not spoil, was another one of those pre, I thought uh pretty profound deep gut punch moments. Yes. There's a couple little revelations in the in the epilogue. So But yeah, no there's actually I thought there was some I thought there's some deeper stuff here.
0: In terms it's of not level just three, fluffy I
1: don't, ice cream.
0: No, it's not. Not absolutely not. A lot of level 2 stuff. I, I honestly didn't see a lot of level 3. I mean there is because they have to obviously change their perspectives when dealing with with everybody else i I think
2: that's i think that's really interesting the way you guys put it because if it were kind of just dealing on a socio-political level we might not zoom in on specific characters it might just be uh you know kind of uh whatever the stand-in would be for the uh, palestinians and the israelis or you know the stuff that people put in books all the time but by zooming in and making it personal how do I deal with this person that I don't agree with or that I grew up differently than or whatever the case may be. Right. And so it sounds like it's got some of that stuff.
0: It does. It it also has a lot of great uh, secondary characters, which in a world building context is fantastic because it's not just these five people you're following around. You actually start to get invested in a lot of these other characters. Like, Oh, like here's an Jack. interesting one for you. Jack. We're going to say the same guy.
1: (laughs) Okay, so Jack is the steamboat captain uh, they run into. Uh, Here's the kicker, though. Jack is a real person. I know him. Casey knows him. Chris knows him. John Rigo knows him. Uh, He's a real dude. And they did not change him at all. Is he actually a
2: steamboat captain? Tell me he's a steamboat captain.
1: (laughs) If at some point in time he had been a steamboat captain, none of us would be surprised. (laughs) No, this guy. And first, what they describe him as being like the biggest guy anyone's ever seen. That's accurate because I'm a big dude. I'm six foot five, about three hundred pounds. Jack makes me look tiny. Really? Um, Jack could curl me. <laughs> that <laughs> is his name actually. Jack. Beast. His name is actually Jack. He is probably six foot nine, probably four hundred pounds. Oh, um, so he's basically the size of the mountain from Game of Thrones. Okay. okay. Yeah. And, uh, but the nicest, coolest, smartest, just chillest dude you will ever meet. So I'm reading this and they start talking about him walking down the gangplank and describing him. I'm like, Oh man, it's Jack. And they're like, Hey Jack. <laughs> I'm like, Oh my God. So this, this is a guy that like a lot of the band authors know him. Uh, uh, and so it was actually kind of awesome to see him show up as a character. They made him such a good character in such a little brief, yeah. uh, uh, part. I, I thought that was fantastic. <laughs> If you're going to redshirt somebody, that is how you do it in style. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, I, I was going to say, but I, yeah, it's, I don't want to, I don't want to say too much. Well, yeah, because... I feel like
2: we probably could start getting into spoilers, right? Do we, okay. do you guys want to start getting into that territory sure. so you can really dig into the book? Yes, Again, yeah. I, I haven't sure. read it, but I want you to spoil the crap out of it for well, me. And,
0: no, and Jack, he he's a guy who's been on this boat. Clearly all of these characters have have passed history together all of uh, Jay is is the the drunkard that he finds along the way that that Chuck finds along the way and and Jay just seems like a, a drunken old man who's gonna follow him around but we find out that Jay knows Chuck's father Jay knows this Jack who is the is the uh the steamboat captain he knows uh all these he knows the the head of the Windfists which is this warrior monk uh, group he knows the President of the United States. He knows he's very well connected, and all of a sudden we find out that that um, where am I going with this? I don't know. I, I started he, with Jack. He's Gandalf. He, he is I mean, Gandalf. He's, serious, but, he's the Gandalf of this setting.
1: This guy knows everybody. But yeah, uh, and he's and there's he's something about, he's about like here late sixties, early seventies, probably
0: somewhere in there. I would like, think yes. so. Yeah. Yeah. I uh, and just awesome. <laughs> I, yeah, I think he's awesome too, and it it, it struck me as. Interesting that this was 30 years. So a lot of these older people, they remember life before the ants. And we get to see some of that as we go along, especially as they get to the president. And there's still a president of the United States.
2: I want to know how Jack gets redshirted. That's where
0: we're going. i sorry. That's where we're going.
1: Oh, yeah. That, um, it's uh riverboats. Uh, you know, there's a lot of problems with pirates in the future um so his riverboat the long tall sally that they're traveling on comes under attack by pirates and um it, it's actually the reason this is memorable is because they actually added this little element of tragic love story into the middle of this uh where basically it turns out that jack the riverboat captain is in love with the, the lounge singer the the lady that comes out and sings on the riverboat to entertain right. the passengers and he's it's unrequited love, and he's been in love with her for quite a while. And then all this tragedy happens, and pirates attack the boat. And there's just this moment of, uh, you know, they hesitated. They never, they never acted upon their love, and it's gone now forever.
0: <laughs> yeah, and it, in <laughs> and it's this like, moment, don't waste your lives, kids. And <laughs> in this moment of sacrifice, he and she, spoiler alert, blow up the riverboat to prevent it from from being uh, taken by pirates scuttle the ship they scuttle the ship exactly yeah and uh, he's and he's a great he's a great character he's a great side character he comes in and he kind of gives what what is he's not the gandalf but he's he's the wizard you meet along the way that's there for a couple of sequences he's and, the radagast yeah who comes <laughs> oh in, yeah yeah dispenses a little he dispenses some pearls and then he's gone you know and and the, giant super cool
1: radagast yeah <laughs> yes
0: exactly <laughs> So uh let's, let's talk about the inspirations for this book because there there were a bunch of them in there a bunch of uh inspirations from from authors past who clearly I Casey especially I think uh was influential in all of the dragon stuff and the dragon writers of Pern show up oh. quite a bit in this book. And,
1: Oh yeah. Um, I'll say this, uh, honestly, Casey and Chris are both authors to watch for the future.
2: Um, so give me their, their full names. Casey, Casey
0: is L and uh, Casey Zell right? Christopher Smith, yeah.
1: uh, Christopher L Smith, I
0: think. Yes. Um, and the thing, I,
1: they are honestly, uh, I think they could go really far. Like both of them are super talented. Very analytical writers, and everything I've seen in the last couple of years that they've been working is, is like gets better and better. Um, like uh, Chris, Chris Smith did a, uh, a short story for me in the Noir Anthology that was just honestly fantastic. I, I, I opened I opened the end, as the editor, I opened the anthology with Chris's story because of how strong it was. Because, like, you know, first story, you really want to hook people yeah, you And wanna... it was just that thought. That was another collaboration he did with a guy named Mike Ferguson uh chris does a lot of collaborations i don't think he's got a lot of solo stuff out yet not yet Uh, i'm actually really excited to see him do some solo stuff because he's fantastic as a collaborator so i really want to see some of chris's solo stuff see how he develops uh casey keep an eye on casey because she i think uh i think casey could be huge um she is super sharp uh she's got a background that really lends itself to writing um action adventure kind of stuff because she's actually a She's a, a major in the Air Force. She's a helicopter yep. pilot. Um, and and so Casey it Casey has been <laughs> so. Yeah, she is hardcore, man. She's been all over the world. She's she's been to war. Uh, she's actually a Huey pilot. So if you know what about helicopters, that is an old school helicopter. Yeah. And we still use them. And then she was also a, a an MI a Russian helicopter pilot cuz she was one of the only Americans certified to fly this Russian helicopter to teach the Iraqis how to use them. All right. <laughs> uh, she is hardcore. And then uh, her husband uh, w- uh, was a door gunner and, uh, and just uh, oh. the nicest guy you'll ever meet. They're just a, such a great, uh, just great couple. But Casey is honestly brilliant. And so I, I expect great things from both of these guys. I, I, I think in the future you're going to see their names show up a lot more on on bookstore shelves.
0: I'm excited for that. She's got a lot of collaborative stuff out already. She, she, I was amazed when I went and looked her up, she's got a ton of credits already. And yeah. uh, she, she hasn't been writing, but about as long as you, the last 10 years or so. Uh, and, no. Yeah. I, I think, I
1: think she's probably, I, I guess five or six years, maybe.
0: And uh, yeah, she's, is it?
1: In, she's killing it. She's, she's, she's killing it. And, and she also hit Casey hustles. Like, yeah. uh, uh I, I did this anthology with her. She's my co editor. And it was her idea. She basically pinned me down. Uh she caught me at Dragon Con and is <laughs> like, Hey, I got this great idea I want to pitch to you, but I need somebody famous so I can sell it.
0: <laughs> oh nice. <laughs> it was. I mean that's, that's straight smart, up what it was. Smart marketing. So
1: <laughs> and, and also she knew I was a sucker for the for Noir, the theme. And so she's like, Okay, you wrote this. I wrote a series called the, the Grim Noir Chronicles, it was nineteen thirties alternate history. Magic, right?
0: I, and uh, I've been pushing for a long time to do that one on the show. Oh, I Real. love that series. <laughs> yeah, we're, we're hoping to get to it. So, yeah, I love that one. Um, no, so
1: Casey read those, and she was a fan. Is what it was? That she had written this story that turned out to be a noir story, but she's like, I don't have anywhere to sell a noir sci-fi story to. I'll make my own anthology. <laughs> <laughs> and then she's like, Hmm. Now I need somebody. I need someone who's uh, more famous than I am to stick on the cover. So I can sell this sure. Hey, I know Larry, he's a nice guy. <laughs> and nice. that's how Casey, that's how Casey rolls. And she's just always looking for the next, uh, the next gig. And, she's, and, and she keeps getting better too, as a writer. Um, that's what, that's what they anthology. always say, right?
0: Right. Keep oh, writing. Yeah. And yeah. That's how you get yeah, and it.
1: You can tell the people that are devoted to improving their craft. Uh, and you can just kind of watch the evolution like there's an anthology coming out from uh, Laurel K. Hamilton is the editor. It's called, um, oh gosh, I can't think of the name right now. Fantastic Hope. Um, I'm in it. A bu- Casey's in it, but I a bunch mean, of us are in it. Uh, it is where Laurel wanted to write um, upbeat, happy stories. What? And uh, <laughs> uh, there's some sci-fi fantasy, but like she, she was just kind of sick of everything being very. Um, nihilistic grim is because of the success of game of thrones. Sure. So Laurel is looking at it, and she's like, wow, everything's just so grim dark now. She's like, I want to write, I want to have stories that are like, uh, uplifting or like, I have like a, they end on a positive note, a hopeful note.
0: Well, her Anita Blake uh, stuff isn't so, terribly cherry either. So,
1: Oh yeah, no. And so it's actually the people, it's kind of funny because of so the people she got to be in this anthology. Most of us are known for writing grim, bleak, violent stuff. <laughs> and, uh, but but I noticed that she put this out and the the teaser story that she has for the pre-order is Casey's. So of all the mini authors in this story, um the one she decided to use as the pre-order comes from Casey Ezel. I haven't read it yet. I just saw that today. Uh, and I was like, that's, okay, awesome. that's that's a good indicator, you know, Laurel's the editor, she knows what she's she's sharp and she picked Casey to to sell the book.
0: My my TBR so. list just keeps getting longer and longer. That's- <laughs> <laughs> it's sick.
1: Oh man, my my TBR it's like it's like six feet tall. If I was to stack them all, it's ridiculous. <laughs> Every time I go to a con, I meet writers now that I that I I know uh, either from the internet or or I, I just you know I or I, they they're fans, and people just keep giving me books. Yeah, and um, I have so gosh dang many books now that I just haven't <laughs> read. I uh, I, like I have
0: shelves of them. It's nuts. I, I know we're wildly off off track, as is our way. You know, often <laughs> tangents.
2: But, <laughs> what do you What do you mean tangents? tangents?
0: What are those? But my my bookshelf, my, not my nightstand, seriously had twenty five books on it at one point last year. And my <laughs> goal for twenty twenty is to clear that bookstand.
2: Welcome to the legendary. <laughs> oh.
0: Anyway, let's good get, luck. Let's let's get back onto gunpowder and embers. Uh, let's talk about sure. how much of an influence did uh, did Ringo have in this book as a writer? Is
1: oh yeah um. Okay, so Ringo uh, – and I, I wasn't privy to the actual writing process between them, but uh, normally how band collaboration works is the, uh, with the senior writer will produce the outline. Uh, so the senior writer will do a detailed outline, sometimes scene by scene, but not always. Uh, and it's just basically like this is the idea. This is the world building. This is what I want to do. Uh, and then they kick it over to the junior writers who then will do the rough draft. Uh, then it goes back to the senior writer who will do the uh, the, the final edit, who will do a, the final pass. I, I don't know if that's how this works. I wasn't privy to that, so I have sure. no idea if that's – i I've collaborated now with um, uh, several different authors on books, and uh, e- each one of those has been a little bit different. So I'm actually not sure what methodology they used. I can't, I can't speak to that. Um, but I'm like assuming can, that most of like the, the, the raw wordage was Casey and Chris. Sure. And how they divided it up, I'm not sure. And I saw the original outline because back in twenty eleven I was gonna be the, the junior the junior rock writer. Honor, right. Yeah. And uh, it's actually pretty close. Um, they, they stuck pretty pretty close to what he had back in twenty eleven. Nice. Um, so yeah, it's it's so the story arc and most of the characters uh, that that's John. Like the the plot um, and what what happened there? That was that was John's outline. Though it's funny because you know when you're writing a book, there's always going to be like no matter what your outline is, it's always going to expand, it's going to change, it's going to blow up. And so there was a ton of stuff that that I was new that I that I don't remember. So I'm sure that was stuff that Casey and Chris thought of as sure. they were going. But I have again I have no idea who thought of what. That was uh, it's always a funny note on that is. Anytime you do a collaboration and critics try to guess which author wrote, which bit <laughs> critics are always wrong. That was like, yep.
0: That was going to be my question on that. You, you've done several uh, collaborations. And then, so I figured that you would be the person to talk to about that. And this uh, is the first collaboration we've done on the author shelf. Every other one has been, oh, been cool. single author and, and, and have been classics. And so this is, I mean, this is one's brand new and it's a it's, collaboration.
1: It's a, it's a different animal. Um, it's funny though, cause I'll have, I'll have people and they'll read like a collaboration they did with somebody and they're like, Oh, well, it's obviously Larry wrote this part or, or, or Sarah. It's obvious Sarah wrote this part. And I'm like, nope, wrong backwards. <laughs> and I never tell, I never come out and say in public what, who or what, because usually it's a back and forth. Like me and Mike Cooper, he did a collaborative series that was actually really interesting because um, I wrote one character and he wrote another character. And so it was a novel of two first por- person point of view characters and they clash like and they, and they come yep. together. And, and to this day, this is, you know, this is like one of the first things I wrote. And this is years, 10 years later, I still have people guessing wrong as to which character, which author wrote. Really? (laughs) And they're like, oh, Mike wrote, Mike wrote Lorenzo and Larry wrote Valentine's. Like, nope. (laughs) And they still (laughs) to this day got it wrong. Um,
0: Well, now I know the answer. I got to go read those books still.
1: Oh, those those are fun. Yeah, those are, those are straight up thrillers. Uh, I I enjoyed the hell out of those. Those are great. And then, But like I did, I, I collaborated with Sarah Hoyt, same thing. I collaborated with John Ringo. And that that one's always funny because people are always assuming, well, John wrote this, Larry wrote this, and a lot of times they're just wrong. Uh, <laughs> and uh, but this, because if you start collaborating and you do it well, um, you, you kind of go back and forth, and, and you kind of learn how to write like the other person you're writing with, sure. and they kind of learn how to write like you for the project. And and you'll have like well some characters, I like always having, i might like, I can't speak for this collaboration, but like I know for me when I'm collaborating, like I'm collaborating with John Brown right now. Um, so he's done his first pass. I'm going through, I'm doing my second pass and I'm going to send it back to John. Usually what I do is I'm going to talk to John. I'll pick the characters that he likes the best and I'll pick the characters. I like the best. And then we'll make sure that like, um, he does the voice on that character the entire time. I'll like all the dialogue and I'll do all the dialogue for other characters. That way they have like a consistent voice. Right. And and their particulars. Like even when I was writing with Mike Cooper, um, it'd be scenes from my character's perspective, but I'd have characters he created would be in my scenes. He'd write all their dialogue or I'd characters I created would be in his scenes. I'd write all their dialogue. Okay. Um, Or sometimes it'd be like a character that he thought up that I would just love. And I would kind of take that character over. And from then on, I was kind of like the master of that character or, or he would be the master of one of mine just because sometimes you have a real affinity as an author with a certain character. And if one of your collaborators does and the other doesn't, then by all means, give it to the guy who does. That way the voice is more alive the whole time sure. uh, and more consistent. It's actually kind of fun. Collaborative writing is a weird It's a weird duck. It's like way harder than just writing a book by yourself. <laughs> that's a, no,
2: so I can imagine. <laughs> that's, it's interesting. Is it, um, is it harder to ah, – gosh – because I, I imagine it's in a way easier to, to brainstorm ideas and to come up with a plot and that sort of thing. Is it? Are you talking about the actual <laughs> writing of the book? Is the tougher part?
1: Uh, yeah, it's actually kind of funny. Um, it, it's it's some parts are easier, some parts are harder. Having a dedicated person to bounce ideas off two brains oftentimes is oftentimes better than one. You got to have somebody in charge though. Uh, uh, anytime you have a collaboration, you got to have one person who's got to make the final call. Because anytime you got two creative people. They're gonna disagree on certain points, sure. And so it's just like a movie—you got to have one director, you know. You got to have somebody who's finally the guy that says, "Boom, that's it. That's how it is." Um, and that's why Bane collaborations I always have a junior and a senior author, uh, or in this case, like they had a junior, two juniors, and a senior. Right. Um, but yeah, sometimes it's easier. Um, as far as sheer word count workload, it's easier, but editing is harder.
2: You know, uh, because you're trying to pull voices into one oh, you coherent make, thing. Make sure everything is, yep.
0: yeah, matches up. Two people building also, you two gotta, different you bridges. Always gotta, and well, and you also got to keep the other person's
1: feelings in in, uh, in context, too. So even though you're the senior author, you can't just bulldoze your way through and say, no, that's stupid. That's stupid. That's stupid. Ah, you know, because that just it's no longer a collaboration, sure. you know. um, And so a lot of times you got to be willing to discuss it. It's like if you want to go this way and I want to go this way. Well, let's talk about it and let's pick the way that's actually the better way to go, you know. Um, but again, that the one person has to be the boss. But you, you got to just keep the other person's opinions uh, in mind. That's like, like honestly, like when me and John Ringo were collaborating together at that point, we had two really successful authors. We're both used to being the alpha big dogs of our universe. Right. Mm-hmm. And so. I am not used to having people tell me, no, I'm wrong. And John is not used to having people tell him, no, I'm wrong. You know what I mean? So it's, a, so that was an interesting one there because it was two authors that were both pretty successful and very prideful.
0: Right. <laughs> well, you I know would, I would imagine a successful author would have to be him.
1: <laughs> Seriously. It's, it's oh, in the contract. Oh it's a,
0: exactly. <laughs>
1: yeah. You got to have <laughs> rhino skin after a while doing this. <laughs>
0: hey, is, is the mark of a good collaboration uh, looking at, at this book, then is the mark of a good collaboration when you cannot tell whose voice is whose?
1: Yeah, I would say so. Honestly, I think that's a huge part because then it's kind of a, it's an integrated whole. It's, it's, it's a, it's, it's a, it's a pure story and yeah, there's going to be different people took different parts, but if it's clean and you can't really like, honestly, if you didn't see three names on the cover of this book, would you think it was written by three people? Right. No, you you would just assume it was written by one
0: person. This book in you know, particular, who... absolutely. Well, and that, there, yeah.
1: There's
2: a great example of that that the Blue Team is reading right now, and that's the, the Expanse, series, right? Yeah. Uh, James S.A. Corey is two guys. Yeah. Oh gosh, and, yeah. And a lot of people don't know that, and yeah. until you dig in yeah. a little bit.
0: So and, until you actually look uh, it's it
1: up, Ty, and go, oh. Ty Frank and Daniel Abraham. Yep, yep exactly. You know, it's two two successful, two two very good authors working together. Uh, they just put one name on the book, and it, honestly, if if no one had told me, it was ty frankie daniel abraham i wouldn't have ever known james S. A. Corey wasn't a person
0: yeah i that's the way we were when we were talking about the expanse i looked it up and oh hey how about that so in terms yeah. of this book it i think it worked i absolutely I, I in fact i went through this book with an eye to figure out okay did one author write this did one author write that or where was the break where was the division of labor uh, i couldn't find it yeah. which i guess is a good
2: so, take me back into Gunpowder and Embers, then, and Catch. tell me, um, if I'm somebody, like I said, I'm kind of an, I would be a newcomer to either the fantasy western genre, you know, except for maybe uh, Miss Born Era 2, right? sure. that would be the closest I've come, uh, and then Steampunk as well, Same same story there. Would this be a good place to jump in, or is this, like, you know, kind of advanced for the genre, you know, like...
1: You don't want to start. Oh no, here no, or Start no. somewhere else. I, I would steer. I, I I don't think there'd be any sort of significant investment. Like like, there's some books that I I would say I wouldn't recommend for someone who's new to a genre. Hmm. Um, you know, uh, 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 Malazan Book of the Fallen but Steve Erickson, right? I would not give that to a newbie to fantasy. Oh yeah. You're shaking your head. You've read
0: it. I I have not. We know the the reputation. The reason I have not is because I'm not ready for it.
2: You've spoken the great (laughs) shibboleth of the legendarium listeners. Actually, Uh, that's how they, that's how they know who are the hardcore listeners as you know, who is red Malazan. And we we've been, uh, we've been threatened with bodily harm many times because we haven't done it yet.
1: Yeah. Well, I mean, let's put it this way. I am a professional fantasy author. It's intimidating to me. There's no <laughs> no explanation. I mean, you just get thrown in the deep end every scene. And there, there's not a line of exposition in this book, right? It's like it's like so-and-so did this to so-and-so. I don't know who either of these people are, <laughs> <Yeah>. okay? <laughs> so, and, and then you meet 56 characters, you know, 50 pages in. And I don't know who's important. Oh, um, man. No, it's a, but but also it's powerhouse. It's it, it's it's really good. Um, so like this is not like that. Um, I would say that if if someone just wants either just an action adventure, post apocalyptic, uh, um, you know, sci fi because the the giant ants uh, or 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 steampunk slash western, yeah, I, I would direct them towards this. I don't I don't think this requires any sort of extensive you know background in in any of those genres. And it's being a real cross genre book. um, I I think it's I think it's got appeal uh, to like if you're into one of those, but not the other three, I think you'd be okay. You know
0: what I mean? I I absolutely agree. And there's not a lot of heavy lifting in the book in terms of who is this character? Who is that character? Why are these people important? There aren't very many characters yet. I mean, that have yeah. names. Oh, that's and right. That have this is a, a book lot of, one, right? Yeah, this is a book one, and it's oh, designed yeah. this to be a three. It's designed to be yeah, a trilogy. this is
1: definitely set up for a trilogy, you can yep. tell. it's um, Because at the end of this, they, they set up, honestly, like what's going to be the goal for the second book.
0: Yeah. Do, um,
2: it, it, does it have a satisfying ending in this book, though? Oh yeah. Yeah. I I would say so. Okay. It it has a
0: satisfying ending if you know that another one is coming and you, it's obvious that another one is coming. So,
1: well, but it, but it also wraps up this story arc. Like if, if, if all the authors were to just walk away right now and leave it, I, I I would be happy. It's still by itself a good thing. Yeah. Yeah. To me, a mark of a good trilogy is, is I can read book one and be happy, Yes. (laughs) you know? Um, the mark of a bad, uh, a bad one is like, I read book one and I don't care if there's a book two <laughs> or, or worse, it doesn't resolve anything. It just like a series of events happened. Right. And there's no resolution.
0: If I walk that's away why unfulfilled. Lot
1: people, oh yeah. Cause what's killing like, like right now, like in the fantasy, because I have a, I have a fantasy uh, series. that's going to be probably five or six books long. I'm on the third book. Third book comes out uh, next year in 2020 comes out in October. Son of the black um, sword, right? And,
0: Son of the forgotten yeah, warrior. I yeah,
1: took two books into that and I, ha- I have people right now saying, uh, I'm not going to start reading fan- another fantasy series until it's done because they got burned right. uh, on some other fantasy series that, you know, just never end. Right. And so they're, I was like, hey, hey, don't put that on me. Okay, I'm a workaholic. <laughs> I, I, I was going to say,
0: <laughs> you, you and Brandon Sanderson are like the anti-George R.R. R. Martin and Patrick Rothfuss. You're like, <laughs>
2: oh, you're naming them. Oh, oh I'm, Ken, name, you're I'm going, going there. there. I am uh, absolutely
0: going. I'm uh, unbashed about Oh, yeah, about. Brandon, Brandon's
1: brandon got a work ethic, man. Uh, brandon works. He works. I work. Uh, and so if I don't finish the series, it's because I die. Or the
0: publisher died. That could happen too.
1: But so far, I'm with Bay, and Bay's awesome.
0: Hopefully, neither you know? of those happen anytime soon. Yeah, this got dark. This got right. real dark. Grim dark. <laughs> so we recommend the book. We're excited to see the next one. And uh, Larry, we're we're excited. We're we're glad to have you on. This has been this has been a long time coming for me. I am a huge Larry Korea homer, and uh, I've been pitching this oh, work, oh. Or a honk, I guess. A honk. Yeah. A,
2: a, a fan.
0: Oh man! I, if Larry Korea sold hats, I would have one. <laughs>
1: So. I got a really cool Solomon Kane hat I bust out once in a while that I wear Very uh, nice. I wear that to cons and stuff by the way the House of Assassins
0: and Son of the Black Sword are on that nightstand so they're to get uh, through this year um, well just
1: you know I'm super proud of those um, honestly those are the first books I've ever written that, uh, that actually got critical acclaim so I didn't know what to do I thought it was a trick uh, all of a sudden I was getting all this like positive critical review from like hoity-toity critics so I was like wait a minute where's the other shoe drop <laughs> <laughs> but
2: and and play your cards right, you you can get the uh the compliments from the hoity-toity guys and from us.
0: Oh yeah, I know, right?
1: <laughs> so. That's the thing because like my red, my regular readers of like you know explodey monster fiction love them, and then the hoity-toity fantasy snoots are like, wow, this is really deep, and they're like whoa wow. wait
0: a minute when two worlds <laughs> combine. well larry tell uh, tell yeah people i was
1: like is- if i'm making both of you guys happy i don't know this is a little right. scary
0: tell tell people <laughs> where we can find you where where they can go look up your stuff i mean because oh, sure. i know um, but- my,
1: um, uh, all of my uh it's monsterhunternation.com nation.com is my blog I, I um all my books are listed on there um and i try to update that every month with events and that kind of thing that i'm doing so it's MonsterHunterNation.com uh is the best place to find all my stuff. Uh all my books are available on Amazon, Barnes and Noble, uh in stores everywhere, you know, all that jazz. Yeah. So, well, I we, invite people to check them out.
0: Uh, it's well worth your time because you're not going to be disappointed. Larry, thanks for joining us. Uh, everybody else, thanks for joining us. Patreon.com, come and support the show. Join us on Discord, join us on Reddit uh at the legendaryian podcast. Uh, Facebook, we're on there once in a while. Twitter, you can find Craig on there. Just everywhere. We're, just, we're just, everywhere. We're around. Just, yeah. just look us up. But uh, thanks for joining us and thanks for joining this author shelf. And we'll be back, what? Red Team is doing The Lord of the Rings coming up.
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're, we'll have The Lord of the Rings. Uh, it, it has already started by the time this comes out. So. And
0: uh, Caliban's War, Book Two, and the Expanse series will be coming up from Blue Team uh, in the coming days. So join us for those and have a good day.